Alright people, welcome to Jessica Jones, Season 1, Episode 10, aka 1000 Cuts. Boy, is this episode disturbing. And, uh, you know, references to the title directly or vice versa, 1000 Cuts, Death by 1000 Cuts. So, this is Episode 10. We have four more episodes to go, including this one. 13 episodes. The first eight episodes... Uh, Jessica is trying to both get to Kilgrave, but avoid him. She finally captures him uh, at the end of episode 8, after the dollhouse escape. Um, and I put escape in quotes, because it was really all a plan. She can't even keep him in there one full episode. Uh, because episode 9, Hogarth betrays her for selfish reasons and lets um, Kilgrave out. However... At the end of that episode, the previous one to this, we say that Jessica is free of Kilgrave. Now, I had sort of thought that that was the case before. She does. And I think this is one of those beautiful examples of where the writers uh, give the audience just enough uh, information, just, you know, just enough clues to put it together so that when it happens, it doesn't seem inevitable, but you're sort of ready for it. You know it has to happen at some point. And the fact that it's been this way the entire time. Okay, so they go right from the previous episode to this one. This is great. He's barefoot. You know, he's, he's bleeding out from his mom stabbing him with the scissors before he has her turn it on herself. Who does he control? Oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> She's got a big-ass gun. Yeah. Uh, Hogarth's his accomplice now. So, okay, so now he knows he can't have Jessica because, I mean, he kind of knew it already when she, you know, quote-unquote betrayed him at the house and threw him in the jail and started torturing him. But now that the two of them both definitively know that Jessica's not susceptible to his mind control anymore. And they know that one another knows. No? Knows? Uh, <laughs> and, uh... It's just, a, it's just a chase from now till the end of the series. And in some ways, while the final episode is glorious, and this episode is really fun and disturbing, you know, the series up until now, um, basically the first two-thirds, is in some ways more compelling. Because now it's just good guy, bad guy. He's on the run, right? We, we don't get subtle Kilgrave. We just get psychotic Kilgrave. All, all the funniness of him and his weird, twisted, demented sense of humor, we get a little bit, but he's so desperate and angry and scared, um, specifically about Jessica, uh, that, you know, they're forced to sort of string out the chase a little bit. And there's some weird stuff with the parents. Okay, this is great. I, I've mentioned this in the previous episode. Trish, yeah, trying to put the bullet in her head. And this is brilliant. The, uh, yeah, I, I actually, again, I, I think I figured this one out before. <laughs> but I figured this one out before Jessica actually did it, but it's still a great concept of putting it in her mouth. It has to be in my head. God, she's so good. And this is what I was talking about a few episodes ago um, in terms of, uh, you know, Professor X and Jean Grey and Kristen Ritter, you know, like when you are really freaking out for telepathic reasons or otherwise. It's so hard to sell the voices in your head thing. Oh, here's Freeman. How is he not Kilgraved? I guess uh, I guess all he... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kilgrave just told him to take down Jessica. That was it. As far as I could tell, no further orders. 
No, don't. All right. Yep. All right, Freeman. So Freeman's on board. Violet with Jessica. He's seen that for himself now twice. Once in the police station, and now Kilgrave actually killing someone. It is on the camera though, and that's the other reason Kilgrave has to be a little af afraid. It, I have to cut out my heart. Uh, okay. Anyway. So right. So they have the dad, and then they lose the dad, and then in this episode or coming up, the support group, you know, rebels against Jessica, takes her out, you know, causes a lot more problems, including the death of Hope. Um, actually, the support group causes the death of Hope by having Jessica not pick her up. It's possible Kilgrave. Oh, here it is. Yeah. No, Trish. He can't control me. He said let go, and I didn't. I'm free. Look at her. She's covered in blood. Everything's gone to shit, but she finally has the advantage. <laughs> Bleeding human being. All right. So he says, take me somewhere. Take me to someone that you trust. See, this is great. This is the second time Wendy being a doctor is important. The first was Jessica trying to get the Sufantanil. And the second is to to fix him. And then <laughs> cause the death by a thousand cuts, which is so disturbing. Right. <laughs> you bring me to the woman you shot on. Divorce papers can wait. I'm a man of my word. If I feel like it. I'm a man of my word if I feel like it. That sums up Kilgrave. It's interesting that she said we don't have to do the divorce papers now. Oh, right. Right, we need the corroboration from uh, from Freeman, from Clemens, I should say. Yep, yep, yeah. We know Kilgrave. They actually have a conversation in a little while. I don't know if it's this episode where Kilgrave was like, "It took you a while to catch on to it. I've known it for a long time that you know, I can't control you." Right. So here's the virus, the experimentation. You know, I mean, I guess it's cool. That it's transmitted scientifically through particles. That makes more sense than just at the X-Men version of telepathy. It's not that I am against scientific explanations and not have it just be magic. But, you know, this is a huge red herring. They try and get a, a cure for Kilgrave. And, uh, it, not, you know, it never gets used, as far as I can tell. Maybe that's just supposed to set up that Kilgrave finds him... And basically it does the reverse engineering version of of the antivirus, which enhances the virus, I think, so that he can control people for like a full day and very long distances, maybe over phones. So, right, so Trish is going to try and save the father. That doesn't end up being successful. Give me ten minutes to clear the other. It was Hogarth, right, who cut the wire. <laughs> Process of elimination. Duh. <laughs> uh, the blood, yeah. Uh, oh, God. It's too bad Freeman can't stick around. These two would be a great team, you know? It's like he'd be the Jim Gordon to her Batman. He finally realizes, A, she's right. B, she's brilliant. This is great that Wendy and him, while he's getting stitched up and she's being killgraved, you shut up. They're having an airing of grievances about the, their, you know, lovers who, you know, left them to die or just left them feel violated. Precisely. 
You ever think about revenge? How do you avenge death by a thousand cuts? Uh-oh, she shouldn't have said that. Look at the smile on Kelgrave's face. He knows. Yeah, right, the little slices over the ears. That's the thing. That's nothing compared to Jessica. She's cooler than my parents. Oh, man, this is... They're, you know, and, and Carrie Ann Moss is forced to listen to this. Now she can talk. She wants you to pay for what you did to her. Right, I treated her better than anyone. Oh, for hope. Yep. Right, he knows that that was the, that was the big mistake for, you know? The hope thing was all revenge against Jessica. She might have never come to him. Oh, he hears about the abortion. She volunteers the abortion of his his child in Hope's belly. So if he hadn't killed Hope and everything else went along the uh, the same path, maybe he would have a slightly better chance. At... Oh, okay. Oh, she kept the remains. I totally forgot that to replicate the powers. And then that's what he uses. <laughs> You're disgusting. She's pragmatic. Uh, that's what he uses to uh, enhance his powers, I believe. Yeah, Jessica doesn't know. Man, Carrie Ann Moss just killing it, unburdening herself. She can't control herself. She, she's trying so hard to keep this information from him, but she, she she can't. And she's finally experiencing it. It's her fault. She let this motherfucker up. And uh, the horror on her face. I mean, this is the beginning of Hogarth's journey, obviously, <laughs> to becoming a semi-good guy, or at least a better woman. Find out where my father is. Yeah. She has to know that Hogarth is with uh, Kilgrave. Kilgrave's in the wind. Just hanging low. <laughs> uh, that nice move. Detective and Kilgrave's father. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't realize that Kilgrave's there. No, oh, this is where Jessica picks up on it. <laughs> Hiding from his asshole son. Right. Is is it possible that for a split second, Kilgrave... <laughs> I was going to say, possible that, that, that uh, Hogarth was free for a split second and had sent a double meaning to uh, Jessica, but Wendy barging in, uh, you know, confirmed it. Oh, here we go. Oh, man, you went death by a thousand cuts. Do it. This is so horrible. Oh, stabbing is so terrible. And they just do it over and over and over again. I think this is Simpson, and Simpson kills him later. Yeah. So, right. So the question is, why does Simpson kill him here, other than just being psychotic? <laughs> All right, Detective Clemens. Kind of a legend. Clearance rate. Yeah, that's a wire thing about clearance rates. And how many murders you solve? Out of context, out of uniform. All right. There's a lot. Um, there's a lot underlying. You know, when he says out of sight, out of uniform, he can tell that that whether he's still actually a cop or not. This guy's out of his mind. Oh, does Simpson just destroy the evidence and everything as well? Um, 
Who's the abilities? Yeah, this was a shock value thing, I think. Uh, in terms of the plot, but this is this is maybe Will's best moment because he goes totally psycho, threads him with a gun, laughs about it, puts the gun away, and then ends up shooting him. It's possible, yeah, I think it's it's because uh, Detective Clemens here is not only on just a side in terms of getting Kilgrave, but not killing him, you know, actually arresting him and getting information out of him and freeing hope and so forth. And because he's such, uh, he knows that, you know, he knows this guy's lost his mind, but because he's such a good detective and knows too much, I guess, you know, Simpson feels like he's going to get in his way. He's still talking about Trish, that's all he cares about. A vaccine. Yeah, this is great. This is a great uh, Will Traval acting moment. Yeah. I don't know I trust. Does he give him his gun or does he put it away? No, he gives him the gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he he turns down the the request to take the gun. What would have happened if he, if if uh, Clements had taken the gun. Boom. Oh, man. Headshot right in the forehead. We got a new bad guy. So this guy is similar to Rumlo. Uh, Frank Grillo, who plays Rumlo. And uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And sort of the the head of the strike team. You know, the Hydra force within S.H.I.E.L.D. And most of his people get taken down, killed, arrested. He, while in a fight with Anthony Mackie as Falcon, uh, Rumlo that is, uh, you know, Falcon is able to jump out the window into Fury's helicopter. Rumlo somehow survives a helicarrier, like, hitting the exact floor that they're on. We see him at the end. He's all burned. He's going to be Crossbones, a famous Avengers villain. He's going to be back in Civil War. I think uh, actually Krill is a better actor than than Simpson, but it's similar in that you know they telegraph from the very beginning. Oh, here we go. They telegraph from the very beginning that the guy's going to be a psychopath, and even when you know trying to capture or kill Cap, he respects Cap in some weird way. You know, just like Will will always respect Jessica in some way, even while he's trying to take her down, get her out of the way. So, 24, 25, oh man. Here we go. This is where the series turns. Oh man, she's holding the blade with her hand. Oh. Yeah, we finally get to see Carrie Ann Moss, a little hand-to-hand action here, boom. She's probably not doing much of the stunts. I think that's Pam at the door, and this is about to get really ugly. Oh, we don't even see it. We just... See the body fall. We see. Oh man! So th- this shot up here of Wendy dead and her head on the table, her eyes open, is so graphic, and it- it's just the perfect image. Look at it. You can already tell from the back that she's dead. Her head's resting on the glass table. You know. Look at Wendy. Fear, surprise, uncertainty, and then Pam just kills her. Now, Pam, 
Kilgrave or not, you know, if someone came in this situation and hit someone to stop that person from killing someone else, which we have obvious evidence of from the 25 to 30 cuts on Hogarth's body, you know, I mean, manslaughter would be the worst charge, but it, you, you could really get off uh, with self-defense. But the problem is Kilgrave's, uh, I'm sorry, the problem is Hogarth is the best lawyer and Pam doesn't want to talk to her anymore. And so Pam is like, you know, headed to death row, it seems like, by the end of the the season. Don't go. Sorry, Pam. What you did was self-defense. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're a murderer. Uh, Hogarth's the murderer. I mean, Kilgrave did it, but she let the beast out. I'm going to handle this. <laughs> Yeah, you never see Trinity this out of control, you know. Trinity gets emotional when Neo's threatened, but... Uh, look at Trish in the red and blue. What I love about Trish's um, clothing is that it's always very fashionable and sort of stylish, but in, in, in sort of a quirky, uh, comic booky way. I mean, that's the Superman colors. Those are, super, those are the uh, Spider-Man colors. In fact, the shades are almost exactly Spider-Man, depending on the version. <laughs> she has total confidence in you. Oh no, the Ruben signs. When is she offering fifty thousand dollars? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we shared a womb. Oh, man. Malcolm. He's so great. I can't wait for him season two. He's going to be, you know, with Trish, Jessica's conscience, who both is, you know, constantly, you know, pushing her gently and lovingly towards being a superhero, but also knowing when she's over her head, and when she needs support. He's going to do it from quote-unquote professional and personal standpoint. I think he'll be working for her, it seems like. Trish, obviously, is her best friend. Oh, here we go. Okay, so Jessica's uh, uniform changes subtly. You know, it was that leather jacket earlier, but it was zipped up, and she had a scarf and those sunglasses. Now she's gone straight T-shirt with the jacket unzipped and the aviator sunglasses, you know. She's, she's gone from investigator to <laughs> attacker, essentially. Feels better doing something. And, and Kristen Ritter, she's still highly traumatized, upset, angry, scared, frustrated, all the things she's been feeling the whole time. But now that she's, you know, free or knows that she's free of Kilgrave, there's a look on her face that is a little different. It's not a smile, but there's a little bit of a smirk of confidence that we never saw before. Which makes the final smile at the end of the series even that much better. Because you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Are these people employed? You know? No one's employed. It's great. Uh, that's the thing. You, you have to sort of assume this is an alternate reality version of Hell's Kitchen, which combines, you know, the modern look and feel of New York, but, 
you know, has crackheads and cheap rent, like in the 50s and 60s and 70s. You know, this, her apartment here would cost like $4,000 a month, I think, depending on the streets. Yep, there's the pullover. Uh, that's the other thing with her and and uh, Claire Danes. They're so tall and thin, you know, they could just pull shirts on and off so easily. I know it's a weird thing. Again, I'm not trying to objectify women's bodies. I don't think it's objectification when commenting on someone's beauty or physical characteristics. Oh, no. Kilgrave's there. I totally forgot that. You're right. You can't control me. Yeah. I've known that for some time. <laughs> a little slow in the uptake. Right. She should. Yep. He doesn't know. That's the problem is he always has safeguards. And in the very end, she says, screw the safeguards. Yeah. There would have been a rash of suicides. You're right. She's starting to... Th- yeah. <sighs> He's right, you know. She still feels responsible for those people who may kill themselves because of Kilgrave. Schlotman's daughter. Baby-faced boy who slit his own throat. Your lawyer. <laughs> Quite a roster. This is Kilgrave's last contact, I believe, with her until the end of the series. Because once Hope dies, all bets are off. <laughs> Stupid name of the death wish. <laughs> I'm a hopeful man. Right, hopes the living embodiment of Jessica's guilt, and that's where she loses it. He's right. He's rip his arm off. Rich, is, he, he's got the release papers. And this is all part of the plan. Now, the question is, you know, there's the weird subplot coming up. Where the support group gets pissed at Jessica and takes her out and she's not able to get to Hope when she's released. You know, she needs to be there well before Hope comes out. And she's not. And there four Kelgaves able to get Hope. So the question is, you know, if Jessica was there on time, is there an alternate um you know <laughs> universe or alternate uh you know, timeline where she is able to save Hope? And the answer I think is no, I think Kilgrave has, like the Joker, always has backups to the backups to the backups. Right, he knows this, the hope is the one thing. You know, that's unforgivable. In terms of someone that's still alive. Oh, right, so he gets, the, he gets his dad to enhance his powers. She supposedly gets hope. But of course, you know, hope gets picked up by Kilgrave. I, I think Hope was always going to get picked up by Kilgrave. I could be wrong. Hmm, an SPI. Oh god, here's Pam. This is a brutal scene. They question you. Pam's very smart. They set that up from the beginning. She's been losing faith slowly in uh, in Hogarth. Right, she knows when she's lying. That's the whole point, you know. She's paid to know when Hogarth's lying as her assistant. 
You're not thinking straight. Yeah, how did Pam know to go there? I totally... It's unclear. Unclear. Yeah. Tell me he made you do it. It was complicated. She's lying. This is so sad. Pam just says, I don't know you. Get out. Right, you told me to handle it. She's trying to blame this on Pam. Oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah, Hogarth still, despite everything, could have turned her life around starting here by being honest with Pam and taking responsibility, but she's not. Right, she understands the bullshit. Just like Wendy said, Wendy warned Pam. Yep. Uh, you're repulsive. Uh, this is the second time someone said they don't want her to be the lawyer. Jessica put her out of a job, too. I have no idea who this woman is. Again, in lesser hands, corny-ass line. Great writing, or I should say great acting and delivery by Pam. Who's played by? I should know this. Here's Kilgrave in the office. They're hanging out in the... This is great. This is great. He, she could literally rip his head off. He has no control over her. Although he could, he could kill or have anyone in the apartment building kill themselves. So there's that. <laughs> uh, you're stalling, Jessica. Yeah. Oh, there it is. I, I'm an idiot. Yeah, you can't read minds. You can just he can just control them. So back in the a couple episodes ago, when they're in the uh, the the freaky dollhouse, her and the neighbor, the old lady, the creepy mean old lady comes over. And Kilgrave calls the old lady out on her bullshit as, you know, her being a liar. He That was just per perceptiveness on his part based on Jessica's reaction and the way the woman was talking. Oh, here it is. 18. Here we go. Oh. This is the memory competition I've been teasing on the rooftop. And the thing is, we never get a definitive answer. You have to believe Jessica, but because she's mind-controlled, you know, right now. So there she is in a yellow dress. Never see her in anything like that. They're on a rooftop of some fancy uh, apartment or restaurant. There's the bridge. Uh, is it the Men what, 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 Williamsburg Bridge? Okay, so he knew exactly when it stopped, and he gave her 18 seconds. And that, and the kiss in his mind was during that eighteen seconds. All right, I remember vividly. And I think the other clue, other than just that we trust Jessica, that her memory is the correct one, is because it starts the same, and then it's way longer and more vivid. And that's what, you know, oh, then look. So, okay, so the question is, based on Kilgrave's performance coming up back in the present, the quote-unquote present, what, what's Kilgrave's motive for this particular lie? 
And how does he make himself believe it so strongly? Or vice versa with Jessica. The white horse. I was almost expecting a unicorn. Uh, oh, right. She she envisions herself jumping off on the horse. This is great. Now, the thing is, that's pretty good. That was Okay, that's the first full jump we've seen. Amazing. Great CGI for, for television or Netflix. This is a beautiful image. You know, the white horse, <laughs> it's uh, more than a little, you know, symbolic or whatever. That's fine. She's riding it. She's smiling, but it's not a Kilgrave smile. And you're going, what the hell is going on? We definitely know this didn't happen. How did I cut this? Horse neighs. Oop, she's back on the roof. Now, she would survive this fall. So why doesn't she jump? Why doesn't she jump? She could easily survive this fall. Maybe she didn't know yet at this point that she could survive this fall. So maybe it's less about committing suicide and more about... Oh, we know. I remember everything. You know what? It, she's right, because we see the scar. Yeah. She, she wasn't fast enough to jump. Getting you out of my head was like prying fungus from a window. Kilgrave, come down now, Jessica. He's yelling at her. Why don't you listen to me? This is the beginning of her resistance, because I don't want to. 27 years. Yep. So this, I think, so my, my interpretation of this exchange, assuming Jessica's right, which I think she is, you never appreciate anything. How can she? Appreciation assumes free will when she doesn't have. This This is probably not long before the Reva thing. Like, this is her first kind of breakthrough. Um, oh, and she's cutting herself. This That's the only time he hurts her physically. I, I think the Reva stuff probably happens not long after this. Look at the look in her eyes. I'll always be here. She's not hugging him back. You know, she's already st starting to have more self-awareness about the situation right he has she has the scar of cutting herself in the ear boom that was awesome yeah jj do your thing girl <laughs> speak up asshole i'm all ears oh yeah it's been a while since we've had some great jessica one-liner she's been too uh preoccupied okay so this is where Jessica gets bum-rushed by this mob, which makes no sense. They somehow take her out, even though she's Jessica fucking Jones. And then Kilgrave not only gets free, gets these people and set up as part of a trap for Hope. We're victims, right? This is the classic case of the leader of the support group. Right, who have you helped? Yeah. Oh, this is where they say, Malcolm, you don't have to talk. And does he actually share shit? I've helped my friend. She, she saved me, I saved her. Uh, they, this is where they get pissed at Jessica. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is where Robin's eavesdropping, and then he she gets them riled up. Yeah, Robin's the one who causes hope to die, essentially. They don't really address it. Malcolm just killing it here, the actor. He's finally letting it go about Ruben. 
Yes, thank you. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Ika Darvel. So Robin's played by Colby Minfei. Robin's only in five episodes. It feels like more because she's such a commanding and weird and hilarious presence. You murdered my brother. Right. She hasn't been Kilgraved yet. She'll get Kilgraved coming up when they're hanging. And she'll understand. And that's when she forgives Jessica and Malcolm. I mean, yeah. Yeah, she's disgusted by these people. Right. I feel your sadness where's your rage. Exactly. And that's how Jessica lives, actually. Robin's talking to Jessica. Stop being sad and start being angry. I don't know if that's great life advice in general, but it is true. Sadness just makes you paralyzed. Anger can make you take action in the wrong way, but also can get you moving in the right way, as long as it doesn't control you. And that's why I, I don't believe in the sort of Jedi Vulcan school of thought that we need to get rid of anger and those sorts of feelings in order to be effective good guys. I'm more in this school, the Marvel school. I mean, even Captain America gets anger. He has to get angry to get pumped up and to lead people and do his thing. Yeah, this is just too this is just too impossible to believe. I mean, first of all, you know, this support group why is it still the same people from the beginning? You'd think they'd be adding people and people would be coming in and out. I get that they wanted to sign these actors to contracts and keep it small the way the whole cast is small and it's Yeah. I mean the thing is, like Robin could be Kilgraved here. I know she's not, but the way she's talking. Who's with me? Yeah. The mob going after Jessica. Yeah, that's not a good idea. But Malcolm, uh, Ika uh, here, playing Malcolm, he sells this entire, you know, just somewhat for subplot with his performance. <laughs> Trendy guy. <laughs> he's giving him a, a shoulder rub. So she's been sitting in on a lot of these secretly, I suppose. Yeah, because you killed him. And for Jessica, despite this, you know, the mob coming after her, coming up, let's pretend none of that happened. Let's pretend, you know, it's just her and Kilgrave and Hope, this whole story here, right? The main story. <laughs> Even if Jessica thought this would work, she'd have to think, I mean, you know, Kilgrave talks about leaving a paper trail with this whole thing about getting her release papers. But, you know, when you're charged for murder, that's a huge paper trail, both digitally and physically. You know, and then someone wouldn't pick up on it later on, especially if Kilgrave was dead or behind bars or whatever, that she was released in an illegal fashion. You know, it's all a little sloppy. That's you know, but the thing is, through the first nine episodes, and especially episode seven, eight, nine, which I keep talking about, episode seven being the one where Jessica wants to turn herself into Supermax, episode eight with the dollhouse, and episode nine with the Sinbin. Oh, uh, here we go. They bought so much goodwill, and we love these characters so much, and we want to know what happens. You can put up with things like this. Right, so she can take on Luke Cage, but she can't take on these people? Makes no sense. I mean, she was in, in, in a bar. She was in Luke's bar full of burly men. Oh, Robin takes her down by hitting her with something. Yeah. Yeah, he, she could have killed, killed Kristen Renner. So she's losing consciousness. 
Oh, God. She has a captive. But again, you know, just to get Robin embroiled in the Kilgrave situation, it's worth it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Daddy dearest. Oh, right. He still has to be tied up because he's going to try. That's the thing. He can be lucid in everything else he does, but he's still under Kilgrave's spell to, to you know, tear his heart out or whatever. Oh, God, it's Simpson. I think the other thing about this episode is that the, uh, you know, the title of the episode, Death by a Thousand Cuts, referring to, you know, Wendy killing Hogarth when she's killgraved, is the coolest part of the episode, the most compelling and weird, disturbing, and different part of the episode. And it's right in the beginning. So the question is, is is the thousand cuts referring to more than just the physical death by a thousand cuts that we saw between the, the uh, estranged uh, women in the beginning? You know, it is, it is Kilgrave's manipulation of... A, a you know continued manipulation of hope and Jessica and everyone around her you know as Wendy was talking about she says something like how do you make up for those little tiny slices those little cuts over a long period oh this is it he really hurts Trish yeah what's wrong with you Trish gets to take on Simpson later on which is totally glorious it won't happen again yeah he listens to her too which is interesting. God, Rachel Taylor is good. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, David Tennant's performance speaks for himself. But between Kristen Ritter, Rachel Taylor, and Ika Darville, who plays Malcolm, those three, that's really all you need in terms of from now until however many seasons they have. So here she is going to be late for hope. I already know what's going to happen. So, you know, what's interesting is it, it's pretty universally agreed that this show's better than the first season of Daredevil, which was still quite good. Most people like better than me. I still really liked it. I think season two is going to be better than season one with Daredevil. It's gonna, people will be more comfortable, higher budget, more characters, more bad guys, more good guys, more fighting. But from a writing standpoint, it's pretty agreed that Jessica Jones is the superior show, and that's part of the reason it got a second season. Very, very popular, even among non-comic book fans. But as my friend uh, Matt um, Goisman pointed out in one of our podcasts together, the challenge that Jessica Jones has going forward is that Kilgrave, as I keep saying, is probably the best Marvel villain we have seen to date, and is so tied up in her identity, in her origin story, in her hero story. You know, who's the next villain 
that's worse and scarier, but still as entertaining as Kilgrave. It's going to be hard to do. I think it's going to be the military-industrial complex that we we're learning about in the final episodes. Here, it's going to be Will and the and the you know whatever experimentation stuffs going on. My fear is that we're going to start entering into Agents of Shield territory, where they're going to keep hinting at being related to the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, when I think they should just stay in their little corner here and just reference the Avengers casually, occasionally, but not all the time, and certainly not in the main story. My guess is now that they're, you know, now that they know that they're going to have multiple seasons of at least two shows, don't know about Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and at least one Defenders team up season, probably more, you're going to start seeing villains who carry over between multiple properties. And it'll be interesting to see if they try and do, you know, like jessica jones and iron fist let's say you know at the same time or back to back you know we'll release at the exact same date and have the episodes cross over like comic books you know think about it when you have a when you have an x-men crossover you've got um i'll talk about the early 90s you've got the x-men which had uh well i should i should start with the uncanny x-men which is what the original x-men comic book is was called from the 70s or whatever. <laughs> it's bad cologne. That's great. Uh, and in fact, Uncanny X-Men is still going. And it's in like the mid-500s. It was in like the mid-300s when I was reading in terms of issue number. You know, once a week. Uh, I'm sorry, once a month. And uh, then right when I started reading... Oh, here they all are hanging. When I started reading X-Men early 90s, they had launched a new X-Men team that was just called X-Men. That was the blue team that was led by... I believe Scott Summer, Cyclops. Storm was leading the the original gold team of the Uncanny X-Men. But then you had all the Avengers. And so sometimes there'd be a huge war. You have both X-Men comic books and numerous Avengers crossing over. And you'd have to re- read for a couple months, you know, two, three, four issues a month. Which back then was way more affordable at a buck twenty-five. Now you need to get the digital app. It's too much to do it. Or, or wait for the trade paperback to come out. So I would love to see them try and do that with these Netflix series. Have you know two or three series running relatively concurrently and see if people will really watch everything in a crossover way. You know, It'll be like you watch Jessica Jones season two, episode one, and then you watch Iron Fist uh, season one, episode one, and then episode two, and then maybe back to Jessica Jones... Right, hope. Oh God. Okay, I'm gonna jump back here. Sorry for the sidebar. This this imagery speaks for itself. The fact that they're dining again. Yeah. She'll never kill me. She'll never kill me, despite her calloused and frankly poorly styled facade. He hates her clothes. Hope. I haven't addressed the fact that her name is Hope. Uh, you know, it doesn't need to be addressed. It, that. That Hope's name is Hope, based on her character and her character arc. Oh, no. So he's actually not killgraving her right now, other than maybe to sit there. In fact, I just finally polished off a huge, uh, you know, multi-year X-Men storyline involving the death of the mutant race and the Scarlet Witch going crazy. And, uh the son of Scott Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops, and Jean Grey, whose name is Cable, comes back from the future with Hope, a young girl who's like the first new mutant birth. You know, it's almost like a Children of Men. It, it, it's actually exactly like Children of Men. The, uh... It's just you and me now, Dad. Anyways, her name was Hope. Oh, no. You can't kill me, Surly Girl. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, uh. 
so now Jessica has to figure out who to save. She has to save them. Too many people. And just hope that hope doesn't bleed out. God, Aaron Moriarty. After everything... She knows Jessica will never kill Kilgrave until she's dead. And she needs Kilgrave dead. Oh no, Hope. And this is it. This is where Jessica, the holy warrior, comes. Here it is. IOL. I will kill him. I'll kill him. Now, very anti-Marvel thing. You have to either kill villains accidentally or, uh, you know, or arrest them. This show, this plot, how personal it is, had to kill Kilgrave. There she is, holding hope. Boom. Wow, great episode. So now we have two sort of chase episodes that sort of set up the chase with the escape from the Simbin. Um, now we have two chase episodes while Kilgrave tries to enhance his powers. And then the final confrontation, which is, you know, an all-time great final couple scenes of a, of a series. Um, you know, this thing is just so rewatchable. I mean, I, I could see watching this, you know, numerous times a year. And that's what's great about the Netflix series. It'll always be there. And you'll always want more. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that as much as you could in spite of the ending, the gruesome ending with hope, poor hope, rest in peace, hope, we love you, sorry you had to go through all that, but now we're going to see JJ kick some ass, see you in episode 11.